Don't use your flashlight, Erica said. It makes it so hard to see. I was 19 years old, and it was my first summer in Pennsylvania at one of the two farm camps that I talk about all the time. It wasn't the one with teenagers and skinny dipping. It was the other one. Journey's End in Pennsylvania was a family farm, a little homestead that made maple syrup in the winter and dreamy overnight camp in the summer. I'd gone there on just a hunch with a suspicion that I might like farming, might like a more outdoor way of life, but unsure about both. At least I thought I liked little kids. I knew that. So now here I was after dark, Making my, way making my way to bed past the cooling pond from the rustic bathrooms with zero privacy, walking with people I didn't know, including Erica, who'd grown up in Vermont where her parents farmed with horses. I was out of my element. Your eyes will adjust, Erica said knowingly. She said most things knowingly, which made her hard to like, especially at first. I felt like a city slicker but I turned off my flashlight. When Elena asked us at that first Advent art night, that's another plug for the next one. When, when Elena asked us at the first Advent art night to describe a moment of being in the dark, this moment wasn't the one I thought of. Instead, I jumped a dozen years into my own future after I had had lots of practice with darkness and was prone to my own dogmatism around flashlight and letting your eyes adjust. But I didn't have that much chance to flex my attitude because I had mostly lived in cities, in Boston and here in Chicago under the eternal and artificial twilight of urban lighting. Instead, the, the moment I jumped to on our art night, I was alone. I was walking up a road with a party fading behind me. It was fully night, and trees grew close to the road on either side. There were no streetlights, and I was on the phone with a friend. Aren't you afraid, he asked. No, I said. I always crave places like this. And it's not that I'm never afraid in the dark. It's just that every time I get out from under manufactured light and see actual darkness, I question all of the choices I've made that keep my life fully illuminated. Why don't I live someplace where I can see the stars every clear night? Why don't I live someplace where when it's overcast, it's dark, dark? Walking up that road, it was dark, dark, and I was grateful and happy to be in it. To be fair, when I get to experience darkness, I am always, as far as I know, safe. I am always in places that, as far as I know, are not populated with people who might wish me harm. I also have very little trauma of the kind that might give me pause about walking alone on a country-ish road. And maybe that all hasn't been true for you. But I still want to make a case for darkness for its beauty and how holy it is and what it can hold and protect for and in us in a way that nothing else does. There is, right now, a group of young people in Paris who practice parkour. Do you know this? It's like a goofy and impossible sport where live athletes like leap over gaps between buildings and flip off overpasses and then they hit the ground and kind of just roll out of it. Okay, these young parkour athletes in Paris uh, have for about two years been putting their physical abilities to use spreading darkness. There's a city ordinance in Paris that promises fines to businesses that leave their lights on overnight, but nobody enforces it. 
except these kids. They go out several times a month and mostly like take TikTok videos uh, of each other scrambling up downspouts and running up walls to reach these emergency light switches that are on the outside of display signs. Click, the New York Times article I read said. Click, and out goes the light above Louis Vuitton. Click, Rolex, dark. It's about energy savings, money, and it's about preservation. And it is, even there in Paris, the city of lights, about preventing light pollution. I did too deep a dive this week on light pollution. I listened to multiple episodes of a podcast called Restoring Darkness. I followed more and more rabbit holes, mostly starting at the website for the International Dark Sky Association, whose organizational vision is the night sky filled with stars, celebrated and protected around the world as a shared heritage befitting, benefiting all living things. I watched a couple of pieces on YouTube, one by someone called the Darkness Ranger. I read at least the executive summary of the Chicago Alley Lighting Project's final evaluation report, written in April of 2000 about a 1998 multi-stage plan to reduce crime through improved street and alley lighting here in Chicago. I learned about sea turtles and pollinators and birds and the lifeline of blooming things all altered, damaged, threatened by artificial light. I learned about the negative effects of artificial light on human beings, which include both sleep deprivation and increased cancer risk. I heard the evocative and now I'm convinced true sentence that time itself is governed by light. And I couldn't stop, in part because like this is how I am, but in part because it all seemed so rich and ripe a metaphor. Light pollution, in addition to being dangerous for people and other light forms, life forms, ruins our ability to see things well, to see things as they really are. Light pollution limits our capacity for awe and wonder under a dark sky. Light pollution even creates in us a fear of the dark. Do you hear it? Do you hear how insidious and pervasive it is? How we don't have to do anything to be a part of it? how it threatens and shapes both those of us who use the light and those who never would. Listen, I didn't set out to preach a sermon about racism, okay? I mean, I know that our sermon series, that it comes from a book title, God's Holy Darkness, and I know that that book has the explicit and Christian purpose of reclaiming the beauty and holiness of darkness from a tradition that has equated it with sin. I knew that within this series, we would talk about it in so many words and tacitly, that the whole series is built on the premise that God dwells in darkness, that black is beautiful, that creation happens deep in the dark soil, deep inside our lightless bodies, deep inside the infinitude of space where nothing moves except the spirit of God dreaming us up. Still, I didn't set out today to preach a sermon about racism, but how could I not? The people of God were gathered at a distance, away from the foot of Mount Sinai. The mountain was wrapped in smoke. There was fire and lightning and the sound of a loud trumpet that only got louder and louder. And at the top of Mount Sinai, darkness, thick 
darkness, opaque darkness. The people of God had come from darkness. They had been through darkness. They'd been enslaved in Egypt and they had been led out. God had sent plagues, including a plague of darkness. God had led them through water, through the desert, through day and through night. The people had reason to fear darkness. They weren't, they had not been safe. And they had plenty of trauma to make them leery of walking in the dark. And now at the top of Mount Sinai was more darkness. From which darkness God had explicitly warned them to stay back. So they, for now, all kinds of reasons, stood back. And they heard the thunder and the trumpet and they saw the lightning and the smoke and they were frightened. But Moses drew near that thick darkness where God was. If you look up synonyms for darkness, here's some of what you get. Dark, blackness, twilight, dusk, gloaming, shadow, shade, dullness, murk, gloom, evil, wickedness, sin, devilry, immorality, corruption, iniquity. In spite of the thunder and the lightning, the sound of the ear-blasting trumpet and the view of the smoking mountain, Moses told the people, don't be afraid. God's only come to test you and put the fear of God in you. Then Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Don't be afraid. God's just here to put the fear of God in you. Don't be afraid. God only warned you to stay back or you might be killed. Don't be afraid. A people who walked in darkness, don't be afraid because here's God in thick darkness. There are four main types of light pollution. Glare, which is excessive brightness. It causes visual discomfort. It's like when you look at a street lamp and it's too bright and you have to look away. There's sky glow the brightening of the night sky over inhabited areas. That's not seeing stars for miles around Chicago. Light trespass, light falling where it is not intended or needed. That's like a billboard light into your bedroom window. Then there's clutter, groupings of light sources, a bunch of street lights and billboards, and it's confusing because our brains are wired to assign distance to brighter and dimmer lights. Oh, and in all of those definitions, light pollution is always artificial. That's like the main part of the definition. Restoring Darkness, which is a podcast, a secular podcast that takes its name from a Walt Whitman poem. The mission of that podcast is to bring back awe. Interestingly, there are also four main types of sin. Kidding! I'm kidding, you guys! <laughs> Don't worry, we've met before. <sighs> there aren't four main types of sins, but... But I believe it's real. I believe that iniquity and corruption and evil are real, and I believe that we can participate in it by doing absolutely nothing those of us who benefit from it, and those who are harmed by it, all kinds of evil. And I believe that fear of God, restored awe, resets our vision. That what we need to see besides 
stars and the Milky Way is the goodness of God and real beauty in all other people. Because with our eyes readjusted, we can see things as they really are. We can experience awe. We can regard one another with a grounded affection that demands justice for each other. One of the phrases I heard this week was about making a shift from, be from being bright-minded to dark-minded. They were talking about stars and the sky. They wanted to know, these podcast hosts, what it would mean to think of the world and its darkness as something that needed to be protected for its own sake. Darkness and night and blackness, something to be preserved and protected. You might be afraid in the dark. Don't be afraid. God's just here to test you and to restore your sense of fear. Our vision has been polluted. But don't be afraid. Your eyes will adjust. <laughs>